Hey church, it's so good to be with you all today. It's really awesome. We absolutely love what God is doing in His house and we absolutely love the testimonies that God is releasing to the church. We have seen God moving so powerfully in our church, in our community and God is glorified through your life. And I just want to declare that every single person that has experienced a move of God in your life is experiencing God's glory in your life. And I believe it. I believe it when I say this, that you have heard of Him moving, but now you will see Him moving in your life. It's so good. Well, we were so blessed by Pastor Amos releasing that word uh, last week, the kingdom psychology of money. Uh, if you were blessed by the word, why don't you just Send him some love in the chats right now. He's on the service. He's watching. Uh, send him some love and uh, he will be blessed by your love. It's so good. Well, we're going to continue on our series called uh, Mystical Community. I hope you're blessed by it. And the title of my message today is The Sweet Spot, right? So this term sweet spot is come... Uh, is, a, is a term that is used uh, actually in cycling. And so that's why I'm going uh, to bring out an analogy uh, from my training for the Ironman and then we'll take it into um, what God is saying to us as a church. So while I was training for the Ironman 70.3 uh, last year, I came across this term called sweet spot. Uh, and I want you to know what this term meant and was actually... Um, a gear that is in the cassette. So a cycle has gears at the back. Some have 10 gears, some have 12, some have 11 gears. And my bike has 11 gears. And based on your level of fitness and the ability to endure, you have a gear in the rear cassette that enables you to go long. So this gear matches the level of intensity. So as you keep training, the gear keeps becoming harder in the sense that the gear becomes harder, but it's actually sweeter. It becomes your, as, as the, the intensity of your endurance increases, the gear ratio begins to increase, becomes harder, but at the same time you become faster, but you feel like you're not doing much. I would call it a grace gear. The sweet spot is a grace gear. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, we must understand that in cycling, while you're doing an endurance sport, it's not a sprint, it's an endurance sport. If you go up a higher gear, now when I say higher gear, it means you're going into a smaller cog at the back, a smaller gear. And if you go into a smaller gear, you might go fast, but the tendency for you to burn out your energy quicker is very high. So that's a high gear. So if I say low gear, you're actually going up the cog to a bigger gear, which make th makes things very easy. Right? So now when you talk about sweet spot, the sweet spot gear is the gear that's right in between the hardest gear and the easiest gear for you. It's, it's this medium pace gear that enables you to go for a long distance, go actually complete the entire race without actually burning up all your energy. So endurance racing is about keeping your energy intact for the last 10 or 15 kilometers. And that's when you start pushing and pushing and pushing and get to the race line quicker, right? So the sweet spot, the grace gear. 
This grace gear, you discover this grace gear as you keep training. It's not like, okay, the sixth gear in the middle is the sweet spot gear. No, it depends on your level of fitness. So some people will want to grow in this sweet spot. They want to grow in the endurance. So they, they, they where their sweet spot gear is, they just go lower by just one gear so that they can start training. As they start training, they equip themselves, they become, they, they learn to endure that pain and that gear becomes now the sweet spot gear. So as your fitness increases, the grace for your life begins to increase. As your spiritual fitness begins to increase, the grace for the next phase of your life, the next challenge, the next purpose that God has in your life, the grace for it begins to increase. Come on somebody, say amen for that. Right? So now, the concern or the issue that Christians may have is trying to do things when you are not ready for it. The tendency for Christians, new Christians, especially baby Christians, when you get saved and when you come into the kingdom is to get so caught up by the razzmatazz, the prophetic, I want to become a prophet. And you you get these amazing prophetic words that, that people speak over your life. They call out the greatness like in Life Church Global. They call out the greatness. And sometimes the greatness is so great that you think you're already there and now you need to live at that standard of greatness. And you tend to now Put yourself in gears that are much higher than where you should be riding in. You think you become a prophet when they said, man, God has called you to become a prophet and now you, God has called you to be an evangelist and God has called you to, and you, you love the, the supernatural and you love revival and then you come to Life Church Global or you listen to these people that talk about mysticism and mystics and, and now you just got saved and now, oh wow, I, I, I love this mystic, mysticism then and I love this mystic, I want to become a mystic and you, you go down this, this road only to find out in a couple of years' time that you've lost your faith, you've lost your energy, you've lost that, that first love that you had. You've, you're kind of burnt out spiritually. And a lot of us can relate to this because the, 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 our desire to be something is greater than where God wants us to be in a certain season, in a certain time. And being and, and having a, a mindset of endurance, spiritual endurance is about learning to be in the place where God wants you to be in the season that God has placed you there. And sometimes, you know, people have have have, have asked me the question: Why? Why did you start life? So, where? What made you? believe that now is the time for you to serve and start Life Church Global and, and God called you to be a pastor. And, and, the, and, and the answer is, I have served other people's dreams and visions for 26 years until God called me and Kelsey to pursue the vision that he had for, my, for our lives. It's endurance. You're building endurance. The gear changes when your endurance, spiritual endurance begins to increase. The sweet spot gear begins to increase and, and the grace for your life begins to increase for you to do what God has called you to do. It increases when He takes you into that next season. When you apply these, these challenges, when you begin to work out these challenges in your life, you must understand God knows the right time to open the right door for you. And sometimes our tendency, our desire to be 
some of us create values based on what we like and not what God is saying is necessary for us. And that's when we get into trouble. We think we are somebody when God is changing us into someone. It's a season where God is transforming us into the image and likeness of His Son, but we want only one aspect of it. Prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, apostle. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it, people, ministries are only based evangelism ministry, deliverance, deliverance is not even part of the fivefold, but deliverance ministry. God has called me to only cast out demons. There's a, there's a problem there. It causes you to be imbalanced. It causes you not to function with endurance. See, the, 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 you must understand that we are not running out of time. God is not running out of time for your life. It's not like, oh my goodness, he's, he, he has to, he, he got saved now and, and okay, now he has to preach the gospel. There's only one person in the Bible that Jesus did that to. It doesn't do it to everybody. He has a plan and purpose for your life. And according to that plan, in the season that God has called you to be, set the gear that you need to be on. Because that gear is exactly the gear that you need to be on for you to experience the grace for you to overcome and be an overcomer in that season. Because when you do that, now your endurance, spiritual endurance begins to increase. And as the challenge increases, the spiritual endurance begins to increase. The challenge increases, but when the challenge increases, you won't feel it because of the grace gear that God has put you on. Somebody say amen. Amen. So the race of life <laughs> is not a sprint but it is an endurance race. This Christian walk, the kingdom of God, that God is, this path that God has called you on, you and I to be on, it's not, an, it's not a sprint. It's not like, oh, okay, a hundred meter dash. No, no, this is, this is an endurance race. This, you have to understand in an endurance race, you have to watch what your body is saying. You have to watch what you put in your body. You have to watch what you what you put in your ears. You have to you have to hear the right thing. You have to you, what, what is in your mind. You have to use. See, a spiritual endurance is is not is not like physical endurance, but it's also similar in a certain way because it's what goes in that causes you now to to have a certain type. You've got to practice your nutrition. You you can't just go okay. I'm race ready now and use pop energy gels thinking that these energy gels will give you energy. You, 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 you'll have issues in your stomach. You're not ready for it. You've got to practice your nutrition. You've got to practice how your body reacts to the heat of the sun or the cold in the morning. Your body has to, has to, be, has to adapt to these things. And as it begins to adapt, now it begins to get stronger. Every time you put it in a place of challenge, God does not overwhelm you, but the challenge is just a little bit more than what you can handle. And that little more than what you can handle, you cry out for grace. God, give me your grace. And he puts, gives you a gear. And he gives you that grace gear, that sweet spot. And when you get on it, you're like, oh, wow. I thought it was hard, but actually... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And now you get on that gear. It's too, you don't realize it, but it's just a little bit stronger, a little bit harder. But then but it's just like, Grace, oh cool, man. I'm getting better, I'm getting better, I'm getting better. Suddenly you're going faster than most people were going. 
Most Christians were at a certain place in their life and now suddenly all of a sudden you seem to be getting promotions at work and you seem to be excelling and you seem to be given um, opportunities where other people are not given opportunities. Why? Because you were patient and you were long-suffering and you were enduring what God is giving you in the season that God was giving it to you. In order for you to finish, you must understand we're called to finish well. We're not just called to finish. Paul says, run your race as if you are going to win. But you're not competing against people. Who is the competition against? You. You're competing with yourself. You know exactly where you are in your walk with God. So there's, there's so many things I've got to learn how to eat right. Why? Because I need to lose weight. I need to do other fitness things so that my muscles and my knees can handle the stuff. There's so many things that, that, that go into preparing you for endurance. The same thing with the Christian life. There are so many areas that need to be developed in order for you to become who God has called you to be. Finishing well means growth. Finishing well means progress. We cannot say that I finished well without having something to show for it. You have to show growth. You have to show progress. You've got to take one talent and come back to him and show him two talents. You've got to take five talents and come back to him and say, God, look, I made another five for you. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for stewardship. So when you talk about spirituality, it's the same thing. He's looking, how are you stewarding your spiritual endurance? So Acts chapter 1 and verse 5 says this. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This is amazing. He's saying you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is the grace of God. It's the power of God. It's the energy of Elohim. The Spirit of God comes and dwells in you. And that is your sweet spot gear. That's the gear that causes you now to, to function in grace. Right? It's the Spirit of Jesus. Because people think that Holy Spirit is, is, is wow, this, this is another person altogether. No, it's the Spirit of Jesus. Like you have a Spirit, I have a Spirit, Jesus also has a Spirit. And that Spirit now, He gives that Spirit to you. Just think of it like that. And so, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, right? Verse 8. But you shall receive power. Come on now power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Wow. So when you now are on this race of life, when you're on this endurance race, your, your, your desire is to finish well and you are on a gear of life and then the Holy Spirit comes now and, and He fills you with power for you now to shift to the next gear. And when you shift to the next gear, now he says, you shall be my witnesses. You shall witness of me. To me where? In Jerusalem. It starts with you. It starts with you. Transformation does not start with people around you. Transformation starts with you by the renewing of your mind first. Before you can start prophesying to everybody else around you, you've got to learn to prophesy to yourself. Before you can start healing the sick, start healing your body. Come on now. How else would you grow? 
How else would you know how what to say unless you learn how to overcome these challenges in your life? Now I'm not saying you can't pray for people and there's a, this is a one step you know method. No, I'm not saying that the Lord will cause you to be in a community where people are growing together and and you learn from other people. That's absolutely fine. But what I'm saying right now is because people are focused outside more than they're focused on self. And you've got to learn to first develop self before you go out to do anything else. You've got to learn to prophesy yourself out of situations before you can prophesy somebody else out of situations. Before you can work in word of knowledge, try to give yourself some word of knowledge. Try to give yourself. Come on man, you can give yourself word of knowledge, right? Call out the greatness in your life. Call out the goodness of God in your life. Come on, you can give yourself a prophesied gifts over your life. Come on, you can do that, right? Why do we lay such a high emphasis on I want to do things outside before I can start doing it myself? Because we prefer what other people think about us rather than what we where we really at. So in order for you to become a prophet, you've got to become Christ. <laughs> In order for you to become an evangelist, if he's called you to be an evangelist, you have to become Christ. Because those five offices are given to our Christ gifts. So you've got to learn to become Christ first. Before you become anything else or anyone else, I want this person's anointing. Yeah, Baba, that person, God gave it to that person. You have an anointing that is on your life for you first. It is for you, for your family, your friends, your workplace, and then every city and nation, everything around you. It starts with you. You've got to develop this endurance for you first. Before you go anywhere else, you shall be with my you shall be witnesses to me where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Those are the gears, ladies and gentlemen. That's how God works. He starts with you, then he puts you in a life group, and then after that he puts you in a team, and then you start the church, and then you go outside the church, and then you go to the city, and then you go to the nation, and then you go to the nations. That's the way it starts with you. So you've got to be faithful with the little. What is the little? Me. Little me. I've got to start with little me. Then I've got to start with little me and my wife. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And then you go little me, my wife and my dogs. <laughs> and cats if you have them. And then you're going to go your kids and and you know prophesy breakthrough over your kids. Don't take them don't 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 shout them down for doing what they're doing. Call them out, call the greatness out of your kids. You will not call out the greatness in your kids if you don't call out greatness in yourself. If you don't love yourself, how can you love somebody else? Now, I want you quickly to go to Matthew chapter 28. And I want to read this verse 18 to you. He says this, all authority has been given to me where in heaven and on earth. And then he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all things that i have commanded you and lo i am with you always even to the end of the age i want to read that again he says go therefore and make disciples of all nations who is jesus speaking to right here he's speaking to the disciples 
So he's telling the disciples whom he has discipled, go and disciple the nations. So he didn't say, come now, I want to make you disciples of nations. He says, come, I want to make you fishers of men. Let me, let me, let me submit this to you. That when he called the disciples, his intention for them was to become, for them to become disciples. He equipped them to become disciples. That's why in the call here, in this, in this great commission, he says, go now and make disciples of nations. He didn't say go now and make them fishers of men. But their calling was different from their purpose. Oh, come on now. He called them, come, follow me and I will make you fisher. I will make you. It's a discipleship program. Fishers of men. But then when he's releasing them, he says, go now. I'm, I'm releasing you to go disciple the nations. You see, what God has called you into the kingdom can over a period of time change. Depending on the gear he sets for you. Depending on what is happening in the world today. A lot of things happen when Christians pray. Sometimes it doesn't happen according to their prayer. And I'm not saying that God is caught unaware. It's just that it's all strategy. Okay, I'll just wait for that thing to bloom up over here. Now I'll take my son who I have trained up now and I will release him to go there. I've called him to be a pastor, but in this season I need him to be an evangelist. I've called, he's, he's raised up as a pastor, but now I need him to be a prophet to the nations. You can't say I'm a pastor. Forever I will be a pastor and I will go to that nation and I will be an awesome pastor when God needs you to be a prophet. Oh, it's a gear. It's a different gear. But how can I be a pastor today and then I'm ordained as a pastor, but tomorrow God is coming to be a prophet. What's going to happen? Well, the gear changes according to the purpose. He will raise you up as a pastor, but then he'll send you out as a prophet to the nations. And your responsibility is to say, yes, whatever you call me, wherever you lead me, I will go. Why? Because you've spent your time becoming like the one who was discipling you. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So the purpose of discipleship, ladies and gentlemen, is sonship. The purpose of discipleship is not to make more disciples. It's actually to make more sons. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So if I'm imitating Christ, now you have legal right to follow me. But I call you as a disciple because there's an intention now in what I'm raising you up to be. I'm raising you up as a disciple. Now I'm discipling you in the ways of the Son so that now when I send you out, I'm sending you out as Christ. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, the new creation is the sweet spot. The new creation in Christ is the sweet spot gear. It's the grace gear. It's the Christ Son. It's the, it's the Son of God who is transformed into the image and likeness of, of, of Jesus Christ. You must understand, when Jesus calls you out of darkness into His marvelous light, you're rough, you're not ready, but then He disciples you into sonship. So that now when he, God, so that when you're ready in the season, God will take you and He will put you in a place where you now will become what He called you to become according to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. But the, but the core identity of who you are is that you are a son. 
if you're if you're constantly i am a disciple today i'm a disciple a disciple will always follow a disciple will never lead <laughs> a disciple is always looking to be discipled but a son is looking to lead a son carries the authority how oh, come on now. look the disciples did not do any massive miracle signs and wonders while jesus was there but when jesus was gone the disciples what they stepped into sonship and then from disciple they became apostle hallelujah praise the lord that's because everybody called them an apostle but but what were they manifesting manifesting christ oh the shadow is beginning to heal the sick the handkerchief is be- where do we see this christ they move from disciple into son so which means the purpose of discipleship the reason why we love discipleship is not so that people can be followers for the rest of their life so that they can be disciples for the rest of their life the purpose of discipleship is for them to become sons of the living god see sons who are transformed in the image and likeness of christ are the ones that the father can take the ripe harvest from 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 the harvest he'll take them and he'll plant them as seeds across the earth and he knows that when you're secure in your identity as as Christ on the earth now he can use you as a prophet priest pastor teacher evangelist apostle whatever he needs you to be that you will be a lot of us have created pastoral ministry and we have created prophetic ministry and we have this ministry and that ministry and we're wondering why people are running out of steam Why people pastors are so tired? Why prophets are so tired? Why in this season people are so tired? Ladies and gentlemen, it's because of an imbalance in the training season. Imbalance. God has called me to be a worship leader. God has called me to only do this. No, 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 no. No. God has called you as a disciple so that you can become a son. Today you're leading worship, tomorrow you'll be a pastor. <laughs> You were what you think you're not ready for it why I preach one message in 7 years why it doesn't matter what you think Are you faithful to what God has called you to do in the season that he's called you to do Put your head down and serve Whatever it is just do what he's called you to do He knows the right time to lift you up He knows exactly what he needs to do when he knows you're ready for it Now sonship enables you to grow balanced. <laughs> the new creation is formed in the image and likeness of the son. We can claim scriptures and say, "Well, pastor, I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation." This is pastor Neil's favorite song. I'm a brand new man. and i'm oh it's awesome that we sing that and prophesy that over our life but the but the question is are you being discipled by a new creation who is mature than you are you submitted to a mentor are you submitted to a father who you're being fathered into are you submitted to the christ son are you submitted now to a new creation who is raising you up to become christ who's posing now putting challenges you know my coach does that He gives sends me these things on training peaks. At this time you have to do this heart rate and at this time you have to do this heart rate and ah, when I'm doing it, it's like ah, it's pushing me. 
Why is Pastor John calling me to prophesy? Why is he calling me to preach? Why is he calling me to do this? I'm not ready for this. I don't want to do this. No, no, no. You're being formed in the image and likeness of the Son. It's the season for training. And a lot of us despise the church because we think, oh man, you know, this church like, oh shucks, you know, small stuff, dude. I want to do big stuff. I want to do big auditoriums and uh, I want to do laser beams in the church and, you know, all that, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I want to do big stuff. Sure, it'll come. Let the Lord open the door. It will come. And when it comes, we know that you were stewarded really well. And you will be awesome and the glory of God will shine through your life. But for now, when there's no laser beams, there's no lights, there's no camera, there's no action, let's be faithful. Let's be faithful to the ground that God has planted us in. Let's be faithful. Let us give. Let us serve. Let us love the people that are around you. You want, you want to be an awesome worship leader? Call people to your house and lead them in worship. Don't just look for the stage. Call them. You want to be an awesome worship leader? Call them and, in, and allow people to engage with God's presence that is on your life. Because that's how you know. That's how you show God that you're faithful. That's how you show God that you're ready for the new. Right. So, in order for us to be transformed into the image and likeness of the Son, we must understand that when Jesus was on the earth, He discipled strangers to be like Him. He didn't say, Peter, your pastor. Who's not pastoral at all, but I'm just giving an example. And then John, you are dearly beloved. Actually, John is more pastoral than Peter is. Peter, you'll be evangelist. And then John, you'll be this one. And then uh, somebody else will be uh, apostle. And then, no, 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 he did not. He said, follow me. Follow me. I'm all in one. When you follow me, I will commission you according to where I want you and need you to go. But for three and a half years, the disciples were discipled in the image and likeness of the Son. So which means the Gospels that we read today, ladies and gentlemen, is not just the story of Jesus. But actually the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, reveal what are the core values of Jesus. What did Jesus value the most while he was on the earth? What did Jesus show us that we need to now in order for us to become like Jesus, in order for us to become like Christ, in order for us for our minds to be renewed? There are certain core values that we need to apply in our personal life. Starts with Jerusalem, starts with me. Touch yourself and say, starts with me. Right, so now, if I'm being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus, the Son of God, now I need to see in Scripture not just how He healed the sick. I want to know what was the core value from which He practiced healing the sick. And He demonstrated this is how you heal the sick. You create a value for what Christ values. And when you create that value, now you begin to get transformed into His image and likeness. It's not just reading the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just reading the story every morning. It's about seeing what He values. And so today now I'm going to present to you and I'm going to submit to you six core values of Jesus Christ while he was on the earth. That if we make these our values that we practice every day, this is not for the church, this is not for the city, not for the nation, this is for me. Say it, this is for me. I will practice this for me. 
this is where now you can become selfish start by you first okay right so six core values of jesus in the gospels that we need to make as our core values okay the first one is the word jesus is core value is the word okay now i want you to go to john chapter 1 verse 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god right he was in the beginning with god and all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made in him was life and life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it okay now when jesus was on the earth he says now you are the light of the world wow so where does that light come from he says you are the light of the world to his disciples but here we see that john is saying he is the light you see as you're beginning to get discipled in his image and likeness who whatever he is whoever he is you become when you begin to create a value for him now he now you become who he is and what he does all right right so now he says in the beginning was the word the word was with god and god and the word was god so now he's talking about his identity and this is who he is and then it shows you what god used to create all things everything that was made was made by the word okay so which means that if you want to do anything on the earth with what god has created you need to be the <laughs> the word i would love to submit this to you in verse 14 it says this and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth now the word became flesh listen to this the word became flesh say this after me the word became flesh say this with me the word became flesh say it one more time the word became flesh now we must understand that if jesus had a core value of the word that word's progression was that the word became flesh now when you create a high value for the word it is not the word is knowledge the progression in your life is that the word which is god now becomes your flesh think about what i'm saying ladies and gentlemen the word that you're hearing today has to become you and you have to become the word without that word you cannot do the things that the word can do you cannot it says all things were made through him you can't make anything without the word oh come on now why is because through the word you can make you can heal the sick you can cast out demons you can cleanse the lepers you cannot disciple the nations without being the word and i'm not talking about knowing the word i'm talking about becoming the word so you've got to come into a place where you create a core value for not just listening to messages now and saying wow i have the knowledge and no 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 ladies and gentlemen you have a core value for when you hear a word to become that word 
I've got to apply this in my life so that I become what I'm hearing. I've heard by the hearing of my ear, now my eye sees. Your eye has to see what you have become. Come on now, powerful. It says the word became flesh progressive in nature. You have to be constantly being progressive into the image and likeness of Christ. So which means what people saw you 10 years ago, when they see you now, they need to know that the, your ability to endure has increased. Your language has changed. The way you deal with problems has changed. The way you communicate to your wife and your husband has changed. The way you deal with your kids and your teenagers has changed. The way you do business has changed. Why? Because you're constantly progressing. The word that you're hearing is now becoming a part of who you are. The word defines who you are. Without that, you can't do business. Because all things were made by the word. Come on now, man. That's what I'm talking about. All things were made by the word. That's when you begin to see and we beheld His glory. We talk about, oh Lord, let your glory come. Look, instead of praying for the glory to come, become the word and the glory will automatically manifest through your life. People will begin to witness. We beheld the glory of God on Danny. We beheld the glory of God on Sam. We beheld the glory of God on, on Mac and Kelsey and, and uh, Amanda. We beheld it. I can see the glory of it. It's visible, it's tangible. I can touch it. When I go to that church, I'm going into that place and the glory of God is so thick in that room. Why? Because everybody's becoming the Word. We're too busy becoming the Word. So the core value of Jesus was not that He was the Word in the sense that, wow, you know, Jesus knew the Bible inside out. Because you can know, I, can, I know people who know the Bible inside out but don't live the Bible inside out. <laughs> We've got to live the Bible more than we talk the Bible. This is very important for us. Live the Bible, be the Bible, be the Word before you talk about the Word. So there's a core value of Jesus. So John 10.10 10 says this, I have come so that they may have life and life in its abundance. He says, I have come, progression. I have manifested myself so that they may have life. So which means every time you become the word, you receive the word today, you receive this as a core value and you start living it, you start applying it in your life. Now, everywhere where you go and you apply the word, you become the word. Now, everything around you begins to live and experience abundance. Every Your family members, your church, your business, your workplace, wherever you may go, try life, whatever is happening around you, everybody around you now begins to experience abundance of life only because you have made a choice to become the word. I have come that they may have life. It's powerful when you start understanding this one core value of who Christ is when I start applying it in my life and I, I want this, I want this God. I want, I'm making a value. I make a value for it. I'm placing, this is going to be my core value right now. The word is my core value. The word is my core value. I'm making, I'm placing worth on it. I'm placing value on it. And now I'm, I'm going to apply this every single day, every single moment of the day. I want to apply every single thing. Why? Because I want to become the word. The second thing that is Jesus' core value is the Father. John chapter 14 and verse 6 says, 
Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Wow. He's, and then he goes on to say this, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. My goodness. Jesus is walking on the, on the streets as a manifestation of the Father in the flesh. He, has, he is so connected with the Father that whatever he sees the Father doing, he does. You see, you see the core value. Whatever he sees the father doing, he does. Whatever he hears the father say, he says it. That's, that's the connection. He is so in tune with his heavenly father that there's nothing that he does on his own. Sonship. We're talking about sonship, right? Sons are so connected to their father that as their father thinks a thought, they think the same thought. As their father begins to move in a certain direction, they need to move in a direction. As the father begins to experience a breakthrough, the son begins to experience a breakthrough. You must understand, he steps in. As he sees the father healing the sick, he begins to heal the sick. As, he begins to, as the father begins to speak over people, he begins to speak over people. There's nothing that Jesus did on his own. He did everything being one with the father. Such a core value. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus' purpose on the earth was not only to die on the cross. But his purpose actually, a greater purpose actually, was to reveal the Father so that you and I, through the cross, can become one with the Father. See, the heart of Jesus, the core value of Jesus in his heart is for you to experience what he experiences. See, the true son will reveal the father. Will not hide the father and reveal himself. I want to build my ministry. <laughs> no, no, I want you to meet my dad. I want you to hear from my spiritual father. I want you to see him. I want you to see the glory that is on his life. His glory is my glory. His breakthrough is my breakthrough. His suffering is my suffering. I carry it. I carry him everywhere I go. And he carries me everywhere he goes. You must understand there's a significance in the relationship between fathers and sons. Significance. It's very, very important. But Jesus did not just choose. He, he chose to die on the cross. He chose to obey the will of the Father. But his main purpose to coming here was to reveal the Father. I came to reveal him to you. He revealed the Father to us. And then he says, no, no, there's no other way to the Father except through me. That's, that's, he's like, wow, you know, that, that, don't worry about that part. But my, the reason why I came here is for you to realize that he is real. And if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. How many of us can say that? If you've seen me, you've seen your Heavenly Father. But today, God is releasing this word to us so that we understand where he's taking us as a church, where he's taking us as his body. We have to create a value system, a, a value in us for heavenly father and, and spiritual father so much that when people look at us, they see your father. When people see you, they need to see me. <laughs> you know, there was a season of my life 
where I was so confident in my abilities that I never cared about revealing my 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 heavenly father or my earthly father or my spiritual father. I was so well-rounded in everything that I did. I was so well-rounded but so incomplete. that i decided that everybody needs to see me and how anointed and how great i am and what an awesome worship leader i am until one day i had this revelation that my purpose on earth is to reveal my father and when i began to understand that i just bowed out of meetings i bowed out of introductions i moved away from from any sort of limelight and i said this is his it's not mine this is his place and when i began to do that now god in the secret place began to develop me as a son and as i began to develop and be faithful as a son today he's made me a father over a church you must understand i never asked for it but i was very happy being a son revealing my father whichever father i was serving in that season whichever vision i was serving in that season i was very happy not taking glory i was very happy doing exactly what my father said not more not less because that was my honor for him whether i agreed with it or not i served and in that place god saw faithfulness to the heavenly father see a lot of us get upset with spiritual fathers or a lot of us see the character flaws in people and we get upset and we we walk away from relationships only realizing that we're walking away from the very opportunity of growing in sonship because we see flaws in people we see the humanity in people but what if i told you jesus was as human as he was as god he was exactly like you and me but yet he chose to say make statements like if you see me you see my heavenly father if you know me you know my heavenly father because the father and me are one i want to encourage you church make the father your core value make him the value in your life when you begin to do that place him as a high value in your life and when you begin to do that now everybody that sees you will begin to see your heavenly father and when they see your heavenly father and they see the unity that you have with your heavenly father now they will yearn for him and then you can say if you want to have an encounter with him it's through me you want to meet my heavenly father you've met him through me that confidence comes only when you know your heavenly father it's not about pride it's not about like oh wow you know i'm in the ministry. no no i'm not called a, we don't have to have a title for that i'm i'm a son of my father you want to talk to him you're talking to him through me this is the place where we now give people an encounter with the heavenly father without creating this big drama you see me you see the heavenly father make the heavenly father a core value all right the third core value is the kingdom jesus came to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth in the prayer in the teaching in the teaching when he was teaching his disciples how to pray he says let your kingdom he's saying now pray this to the father and say let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven do you want to know the secret jesus secret of how to do miracle signs and wonders is making the kingdom a core value in your life 
Jesus had such a core value that wherever he went, the kingdom went with him. See, the kingdom of God is, is, a, is a kingdom that superimposes itself on the earth. And wherever it superimposes itself on the earth, it transforms that person or that ground or that place as it is in heaven. You need to look at your family and say, this is my family, the state of my family right now as my family is in heaven. This is the state of my business as it is in heaven. This is the state of my relationships as it is in heaven. This is the state of my finances as it is in heaven. Then you create this mindset of the kingdom of God. I exist because my job is to expand, to extend the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So wherever I go, because I am in the kingdom and the kingdom is within me, now as I speak, the kingdom begins to go. As I step out and do things, the kingdom begins to go. So which means when you're in your job, in your workplace, the kingdom is there. So which means when you experience a difficulty, now the gear needs to shift to the next gear. You're experiencing a bit of a challenge in your workplace. You need to say, God, give me the next gear. I don't mind working hard. I don't mind working a little extra, God, because I need to experience your grace to overcome this situation. And that's when you begin to step into the next season. You step into the next gear and then you understand, hey man, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I got to step into that place. I got to, I got to, put that little gear and push it a little bit more and then I can see the grace of God coming through my life. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 43, he says, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. Jesus had such a value for the kingdom of God. My goodness, he, he says, ah, but the way he brought the kingdom is by preaching, not by teaching. He would preach the kingdom of God. He would preach the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is right here and right now. That's what it means. The kingdom of God is within you. As you begin to speak, you begin to talk. If you create this as a core value, when you begin to talk about the testimonies of what God is doing in your life, you begin to share it with people, not just people in church now, people because they're already in the kingdom. The kingdom doesn't advance if they're in the kingdom already. You've got to talk to the people. Evangelism, that, that's where you go. The evangelists now start stepping and growing in you. You step out and you start talking about how good God is to you in your life, to your friends at your workplace. Now they're the kingdom begins to advance while they did not accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. That's not the motive. The kingdom expands by preaching, by talking about the goodness. I'm just sharing what God has done in my life. I don't know the science of it. I don't know how the physics of it. I don't know any kind of DNA stuff. But the Bible says that Jesus preached the kingdom. So which means I'm preaching the dominion of my God in my life to you. I'm just sharing it with you. And as soon as you share, now the kingdom of God extends to that person's life. And now the kingdom of God begins to work in that person's life till they begin to experience God's dominion in their life. Matthew, Matthew chapter 16 verse 18 Says this, and I and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. My church. Say that my church. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or will shall not prevail against it. It's amazing. He says, 
He's talking to Peter and he says, it is upon the revealed word or revelation that you receive of who I am in your life, that it is upon this revelation that I will build my church. So even the church is built upon the word and the revealed word. It's not just built upon how awesome the event is. It's built upon revelation. But the thing is, he says, I will build my church. It's very personal over there. I will build my church. So when you are transformed, now, when you are transformed in the image and likeness of Christ, whose church are you building? You are building your church. (laughs) I am building my church. God has called me to this church. His church is my church. I am building, this is my church. These are my people. This is my family. I'm going to take the effort to build my house. Well, you may not be the pastor of the church. You may not be the worship leader. You may be just sitting in the congregation and just receiving everything that is happening for a season. But your responsibility is actually greater than the people who are actually doing the church. Your responsibility is actually to take what you experience in church and go out now and build His church. You carry a greater responsibility because the pastor exists to serve you. The teacher, the fivefold ministry exists to serve you. It's the equipping of the saints. Why? Because the saints need to go out and do the works of ministry. So which means your call is to go out. My call is to teach you. So how do you build, how do we build the house? How do we build my church? Please don't get this wrong. When he say my church, I'm talking about Christ's church. I don't own the place. I'm, but when you get transformed into his image and likeness, there's less of you and more of him. And so it becomes my church. And it is when you are planted in a my church, the gates of Hades will not prevail against you. Oh, come on now. When you take the time to build the house that God has planted you in, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Why? Because you're in His church, in His house. You're in His building. You're in His temple, His tabernacle. And you're building His tabernacle. But it's your tabernacle, but it is tabernacle. It sounds very confusing, but that's why this series is called a mystical community. It's mystical. I am transformed into His image and likeness. But when I build the house, I'm not building just, oh, this, I'm being a good steward of the Lord. No, no, I'm building my house. I'm taking ownership of it. I'm taking responsibility over the what, what I have. When I start serving now, I take responsibility. I'm going to do so well. Why? Because this is my responsibility to build my house. You can't say, well, this is Pastor John's church and I'm here for a season. And then after that, God is going to call me to do my own ministry. Well, if it happens, it happens. And I'm happy for you. But it'll be awesome if you are discipled in this house, you become a son in this house, you take on responsibility in this house, you build this house, and then this house begins to send you out. That's the process. 
That's how God equips you and sends you into the world. We want to send people out from here. We want to send people into the nations. Why? Because we're in the Middle East. The nations are at, right here. We can go left or right and you find any nation. And we can send you into any nation. You must understand that God has strategically placed Life Church Global here for a reason so that we can be an equipping center so that you can now be sent out into the world. But why would we send out a baby into the world to slay giants? It would be detrimental to your future if, and it would be irresponsible for, of us as a church to send you out when you are not equipped to do it. So give us some time to equip you so that we can send you out. But you must understand that while you're here, you take care of the house that you're in. It's your responsibility to build the church. Yes, he says, I will build my house. For sure. But when you're transformed into his image and likeness, it becomes your house. These people are your people. Encouraging becomes a, a, a natural natural pro process of life. Edification becomes natural. Prophesying, healing, casting out demons, cleansing the leopards, providing for widows. All of this stuff becomes natural for us. Why? Because we're transformed into His image and likeness. Alright? Something's just come to my mind about what Jesus said and did. You know, in a, I think a, maybe a two two messages ago or the first message of the series or the second message of the series I was I, I said something about husbands um, love your wives uh, and I said for husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her we must understand that when you want to build the church there's a giving up of your life that takes place there's a giving up of your time. There's a giving up of your finances. There's a giving up of your relationships outside the house that, that requires, there's a little bit of a sacrifice. See, Jesus endured the cross because of the cup of suffering that was laid before him. They're, they're, for all of us, if we're being transformed into his image and likeness, now I'm not saying that you have to go through the cross that was done once and for all, but there is an element of laying down one's life for another friend. Jesus says in John chapter 15, greater love has no one than this, than to than one to lay down his life for his friend. Lay down his life for his friend. Lay down. It has to cost you something. You must understand, to build the church, it will cost you something. To create a core value, to make the church a core value in your heart, you've got to uh, make remove Netflix as a core value. You've got to uh, remove, uh, you know, the pubs and the, and the, uh, and the, what are they called? The uh, brunches. You've got to, you know, you've got to remove those things as a, a bit of a core value. It's going to cost you a little bit. It's going to cost you a little bit to be equipped. It's going to cost you a little bit to learn how to prophesy. It's going to cost you a little bit how to heal the sick, cast out demons. It's going to cost you a little bit to, to mature into Christ likeness. Why? Because I need to be equipped. I need time for that. We need time for that. And I need to serve. I need, I need time for that. I need to make mistakes and learn. You need time for that. And we are a community that embraces your mistakes, but don't take it for granted. And don't think that they work for you. Actually, you're given the privilege of serving these awesome people. Don't take it for granted. It will cost you something. 
It will cost you. It's not just 10%. (laughs) I have come that they may have life and life in its abundance. So your finances has come so that the people in your church can have life and life in its abundance. You have a job because the people in the church need to have life and life in its abundance. It's not just, oh well, you know, the law says I have to give 10%. Not 10%. 100% belongs to God. He allows you to give 90%. But that also was the Old Testament. But actually, if you were to look at the Jewish law of of tithing, it's actually 23%. You're actually failing the law. (laughs) But thank God for grace that you can give more than 23%. Why? Because it's your Heavenly Father's money. The minute you stop getting offended with finances and money and money talk, that's when you realize that you are so free. Come out of this offense of money, man. Just come out of it. It's just, you have lack today because you are lacking wisdom when it comes to finances. Finances have gripped, money has gripped your heart. And you have to come out of it. You have to mature from it. It's not the worldly way of thinking, right? So you must understand that if you don't give to the kingdom of God, the things that are meant to equip you don't happen. It's very simple logic. You don't have to have spiritual science to that. It's very simple. The opportunities for you to develop into sonship exist because of the people's giving. They create the facility that we can meet. This place that we have, everything around you, this screen, everything is from the people's giving. It's not like, wow, money keeps dropping from the ceiling. I wish it did. But it's come from people who who give sacrificially. And there are people who give sacrificially. My goodness, I know the stories personally. And they give sacrificially. But I'm seeing those people experiencing 600% increase in their business. 300% increase in their salaries. I'm seeing these people experiencing breakthroughs in their finances because they they don't care about the percentage. They want to make sure that the house is taken care of. You've got to take care of the house. Right? The fifth one is discipleship. And when I say discipleship, now I'm talking a lot about discipleship today because that's going to be a part, a core value of our church. It should be a core value of your life. Who are you discipling? Because Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So if you're imitating Christ, you've got to be discipling people. It's not just the life coach's responsibility now. It's not just the pastoral team's responsibility to disciple people. Whom do you have around you that you can disciple into the image and likeness of Christ? Because your job now, if you have a core value of Christ, your discipleship is a core part of it. You have to now naturally start discipling people in the ways of Christ. I hope you understand that, right? Number six, the sixth value, core value that Christ has, that we need to have, you and I need to have, is servanthood. I would love for you to go to Luke chapter 22, And we'll read from verses 24. Okay? Now, there was also a dispute. A dispute at the dinner table where Jesus is sitting. This is the Son of God. God is sitting at your table and you're having a dispute. That just shows how much of honor. Anyway, 
Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, this is what he says, He who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. He says, listen, secular knowledge is that when people who are sitting at the table, uh, there are people who come and serve them food uh, and the people who are greatest are the ones who are sitting at the table eating the food. But the one, he says, the one, I am not like them. I'm not sitting at the table eating the food. I'm actually the one who is serving the food. And then he goes on to say, then he goes on to say, he who humbles himself will be exalted. And he who exalts himself will be humbled. He who exalts himself, he who promotes himself out of season, he who positions himself out of season to do things when he's not ready is humbled. But the one who positions himself in humility saying, I will do what you've called me to do in the season that you've called me to do. I will serve and I will be faithful. I will be the one who put the the tablecloth. I will be the one who serves the communion in church. I'll be the one who picks up the wrappers. I'll be the one who who cleans the vibe. I will be the one who washes the toilets. I will be the one who, who constantly takes care of everything that needs to be taken care of in the house. I will do it as long as you want me to do it. If that's all I ever do in my life, I am totally okay with that. See, those are the ones that God says it's time for them to be exalted. But you must understand that in order for us to to experience the exalted place, the reason why He exalts you is so that you can actually be a, a servant in an exalted place. The identity of, of, the, of the sons in the kingdom of God is that you are kingly servants. You're kings who serve your subjects. You're, you're a king who serves his people. You're a king now who takes on a, a servant's role and ministers to your people. That word servant means ministry, a minister. You want to start your own ministry? Start serving people in the church. You want to start your own business? Start making money for the church first. A lot of us have business aspirations but from a selfish desire or a poverty mindset or lack is causing me now to start a business. Not God. But if you have a business calling over your life, why don't you do that? The church that you're in, why don't you just start doing things so that you can add value to the church financially or even creatively? We think, oh, well, you know, I've done my creative uh, training and I'm a graphic designer and I'm an artist and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that in my life. Great, man, that's awesome. Why can't you serve your house first? 
When you receive a notice that comes on your phone, ping on Instagram, that, hey, we're going to hang out. We're going to have people who are serving. Why don't you come and hang out with us? You should be the first one saying, that's me. I'm going to go. That's my invitation. Why? Because I'm going to put on that towel and I'm going to wash anyone's feet that God puts in front of me. I'm not going to go there and sit on the table now and I'm going to expect pastors to now serve me. I'm going to pick up the mantle of my father and I'm going to tie it around my waist and I'm going to wash people's feet. I'm going to wash the toilet. I'm going to clean the vibe. I'm going to do whatever it needs, whatever God needs me to do in this season. Why? Because that's not my final place. God has called me. If I position myself there, now he calls me as something else. He, that's what he called me as, but then the purpose completely changes. He's called you to be, to be a servant, but also to be a king. You're a kingly servant in the house of God. You're demonstrating pride. You don't have to tell people that you're humble. Just let your works speak for itself. Let the people in your church, in your community, see how you serve them without looking for a reward. A lot of times people in church, people outside, even in business, people in the, in the workplace are doing things for their boss because they want a promotion secretly. They want that increase in their salary secretly and they're kind of dropping hints here and there. And then, you know, they want to do these favors. They work overtime because they want to find favor with the boss or they try to serve because they want to find favor with the pastor or the pastoral team or the one that has the influence with the pastor. You know, all that kind of stuff. We try to do things to make an impression so that we can get this favor and grow in the kingdom and I want to tell you even though you get that favor it won't last long it will fade away it's momentary glory but I'll tell you something serve and serve with a pure heart serve with Christ's heart Christ let me tell you something Christ would have stayed on the earth as long as his father wanted him to stay and he would have washed his disciples' feet and he would wash, he would have washed everyone's feet if he had a chance to. Why? Because that's where God had placed him. And even though his situation went from bad to worse, you just imagine washing people's feet to now hanging on a cross. That's in, in human terms, it's going bad to worse. But actually God took what was supposed to be the worst aspect of his life on the earth and made it the most glorious thing. It's the very thing that people remember Jesus the most about. It's how he died on that cross. How he served you. Today, you and I are experiencing the freedom that we have. We call ourselves Christians. We know God. Man, God has called me to be a prophet, pastor, teacher. I'm a worship leader. I'm, woo, I'm experiencing the glory, gemstones and gold dust and all that kind of stuff. Because someone served you with his life. Someone had you in mind when he was hanging on that cross, struggling to breathe. Someone was thinking about your freedom when he was nailed to a cross someone was seeing you and the father dancing around in life in freedom and liberty but he chose to be a servant and die on a cross but that's the core value of Jesus 
So every time you make a decision to serve in this house, you need to see what Jesus saw when he was on that cross. There was a joy that was set before him. You might think that what you're doing is insignificant, but I want to tell you, 2,000 years from now, people will be thanking God for you because of the way you served, because of the way you gave, because of the way you led worship in a season where your body was in agony. You chose to ignore the agony and came and you led worship and you preached, and you healed people, and you served, and you came, and you swept the floor, and you did not think about what you want, but you were ex- you existed during that season to give people what they need. You were a solution provider when you had all the time, and you could have made the choice to do whatever you wanted to do. But you said, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about His bride. It's about his church. It's about his his people who are now my people. Like Naomi, she said, your people, Ruth and Naomi, your people are my people. Your God is my God. I want to encourage you today, church. Don't think of this message as just another message. These six core values will become the foundation of the greatest life that you can ever live. The Christ life. It's the sweet spot. It's the grace gear. And I want to bless you today, church. And I want to pray for you in closing. Father, I thank you for everyone that is listening to your word today. Jesus, it's an honor to talk about you. What a privilege it is for us to not just speak your word, but become your word. Lord, you know where each one is today in their relationship with you. So today I pray, Father, that every single person will begin to experience your grace for the season that they're in. Right now, Father, as they step into making these six values their core values in their life, I thank you that they will receive the grace for everything that they need in life. Father, I pray that if there's anyone sick in their body, we know that they're already healed. Father, if there's anyone lacking in any area, we know that you will supply their need according to your riches and glory. But more than that, Father, we want, we desire from you to give us opportunities to exercise these six core values in our life. Lord, we want to become the Word just like Jesus was the Word. We want to have a high value for you as our Heavenly Father. We want to be one with you. We want to be like Jesus, only doing what He saw you do, only saying what He heard you say. Father, we want to have a high value for your kingdom. We want to have a high value for your church. We want to have a high value for discipling nations. We want to have a high value for being like the King's servant Jesus is. And so today, Father, I pray that in everything that people ever heard, may Jesus be glorified. May this message not just be mere words, but fuel for fire. 
Father, I pray, let your fire fall upon people right now. Let it, be, let it set them on fire. Let the passionate, burning desire of Jesus begin to grow within them. And let them hear your voice clearly for the season that they're in. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, Amen. Bless you, church. It's so awesome. We're heading into a beautiful season. We'll see you soon. Bless you. Bye.